<laughs> okay, so like, I don't know how this normally works in Lego games. When somebody dies, like, do all their limbs fly off or something, or do they it just depends. Yeah, they break okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Because I was hoping that like at the climactic final scene of Romeo and Juliet, like <laughs> Romeo's like head pops off and Juliet's like, Lee. oh Romeo. <laughs> the um the out damn spot out I say oh, scene is just Dagger. Lady Macbeth taking out her little Lego hand and like trying to rinse it under the water. <laughs> she yeah, can't get yeah, it out she of the takes plaster. out one Lego hand with the other oh my god this cursed head there be clean (laughs) they're like oh yeah she's okay yeah I think Lego Shakespeare I think Lego Shakespeare's way to go Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I'm Blue, and I'm joined by Red. I just watched the Batman, and I'm in a really good mood. Hell yeah, and Indigo. Sometimes it hurts. Uh, I also watched the Batman recently, and I'm not good at um, singing. Anyway, how's the podcast going? Good. Just do your thing. It's going good. You got to remember not to mute yourself, or we're going to look nuts just not talking for 15 seconds. We'll hear more from Indigo on the back half of the show, but until then, we've had two videos come out recently. I've speed face. run strat the yeah the shoot the shit. Is there, is there any shit to shoot? Well, I we mean, can talk about Easter. the Batman for a while. We can talk about the Batman for a while. I, I liked it a lot. I, yeah. I super li- I saw it, it. This was the first movie I saw in theaters since Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh, God. And after that movie came out, I said, this movie being the last movie in theaters is not allowed to be how I die, which yep. were bold words for right before COVID happened. <laughs> but I made it. And yeah. I saw the Batman and I had a wonderful time. It's I, I think it's my favorite live-action Batman movie. I agree, I really yeah. liked it a lot. Because it's not only a good Batman, it's a great Bruce Wayne. It's oh, a yeah. really good Gotham. It looks super pretty, and the villain actually fucking makes sense for once. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like... <laughs> Villains, they, plural. Yeah, well, you know, villain exposing other less super villains. Um yeah, I think they did a really good job. And it's funny that they did such a good job with Bruce Wayne, considering how little we see him, all things yeah. considered, proportionately Which is why speaking. it's so well done. <laughs> but I like that. I like that he seems wildly uncomfortable in every scene he has to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a really it's good, good movie. We could talk about it for a while, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> we'll follow up on the Batman in a detailed diatribe at some point in the future, I'm sure. But until Indigo then... Indigo needs to bring us both onto Movie Struck so we can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but until then, uh, until... We, we, had, we had two videos on the channel. We had uh, First Red, You Did the Myth, of Acteon. Yep, Acteon. Uh, we've been sort of debating over how to pronounce it. Uh, the accent the is on the I, so strictly speaking, it'd be Acteon, Acteon. But you can say Acteon, and I won't like reach through the screen and slap There's you. It's an okay. I in it? Okay. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it was interesting. I, you know, I always overestimate how well known these things are because, like, Acteon is to me like the one Greek myth that everybody knows. Oh yeah, it's the guy who got turned into a stag, devoured by his own hands. Yeah, we know that. And then like there were a lot of people in the comments who were like, wow, that's wild. I can't believe that happened. And I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) None of you guys looked at a Renaissance painting before? Um, And you know, that just goes to show that like, I think that, you know, no matter what field you're in, there's a level of baseline knowledge you just sort of internalize and then it doesn't occur to you that that's more than Joe normal person has (laughs) and then you kind of have to adjust 
uh, there was an XKCD about this a while back with like it's organic like, chemists being like, yeah. well, everyone knows the formula for silica. You know, it's like you start cracking like what turn out to be really niche British Empire jokes that no one else at the dinner understands. And then you yeah. have to either back up or just quit. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Me and my extensive knowledge of history. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was short, sweet. One of the ones where I preferred to uh, dive into the different versions rather than retell a, a simple linear narrative. Uh, I, I'm going to, spoiler alert, in an upcoming video, I'm going to do the exact opposite approach. I'm going to pull together a bunch of sources <laughs> to construct a linear narrative. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but in this one, it was it was interesting just kind of seeing, you know, where the Venn diagram of tellings overlap and it overlaps right yeah. with, oop, devoured by his own hounds. Um, yeah. I, I do like that you specifically called attention to the fact that there is a point at which the textual evidence just falls off a cliff, but the mm. visual evidence for the Acteon story just goes and yeah. goes forever, which is really cool because usually, like, we're talking very specifically about texts on this channel, mm -hmm. and it's neat to see an instance where, like, no, like, like paintings and, and, you know, like, vase work and sculpture work is is a huge thing, so that's really cool. You know, like, some, yeah. some random, you know, Roman person in Pompeii had a wall mural that happened to have this little Acteon in the corner getting shot. Yeah, <laughs> I love that little one because that's the only one where Artemis looks real pissed. It's like they, they've yeah. got varying levels of like, oh, how could he have done this thing? But that's the one where she's like, get back here, bitch. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, God. Um, and yeah, finding that resource of just like all of this documentation of Acteon, that website, if people haven't checked it out, it's got like subdivisions by like Acteon as fully human, Acteon as human with uh, four legs of deer, Acteon as deer. And it's just like, whoa. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's just some incredible resources out there. And once I found that, I was like, well, I got to cite this in the video. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the fact is a lot of these myths, like when we go looking for textual tellings, we can find little bits but a lot of the storytelling is really preserved in vase work and late and like uh, friezes and, and murals and stuff yeah. like that. Because, you know, this was just like pop culture. This was just a thing. Exactly. Uh, like when I was looking up um, the Judgment of Paris recently, you know, uh, Paris choosing which of the three goddesses gets the apple. Uh, there's like references to it oblique ones in other texts almost none of them retell the thing start to finish. But he's all over the place in the visuals. And it's like, OK, so that's yeah. really, you know. Because it's exactly. easy for me to be like, oh, if we can't find the text, maybe it's not so much legit. But it's like, no, if we can't find the text, but it's all over the vase work starting in like 400 BCE, there's something there. Exactly. Um, like a handful of people would have interacted with a specific, not a handful of people, a large number of people would have interacted <laughs> with like the specific text of, you know, whatever like, you know, pre-Iliadic ancient epic was, was describing the Judgment of Paris. But like mm. everybody and their aunt had a pot with the Judgment of Paris painted on the side. Yep. Because that pottery was the stuff that was in everybody's house yeah, so it's you know, it's so much more pervasive than even the written sources that we assume were like everywhere yeah yeah no it was uh it was cool and uh the research process was interesting putting it together was a lot of fun uh got a surprising number of comments asking me about my uh, Acteon Orion yeah I was going theory. to ask you to yeah. uh to explain your your Orion conspiracy theory because you did oh, mention God. this on Twitter but uh, it it was a while ago by the time the video went up. So, Red, please yeah. please tell us your Orion Acteon conspiracy theory. It's 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 pretty thin, I'll admit that. Like most conspiracy theories, it's it's just it's a pattern that I've seen that I now cannot unsee. Uh but basically, if you boil down the stories of Acteon and Orion, at their cores they are extremely similar. They're like very topologically similar. It's like, okay, you've got a hunter, they do something to slight the gods, they're killed and they have a connection with Artemis on some level. So it's like what that connection is varies, you know. 
Some of those later tellings, Orion and Artemis are lovers. Some of them, they're enemies. Uh, in one of them, she's protecting nymphs from him. In another one, he's killed because Apollo thinks he's protecting her from him. You know, but the connection is there. Basically, no matter what shape that connection takes, they are still linked. And Artemis and Acteon have something very similar. It's like either, you know, he slights her directly or he does the I'm the greatest hunter in the world thing and gets his smited because of that. And then you get like... You get the versions where he maybe pisses off Zeus instead, but Artemis is still there because he's still a hunter. And so there's that. The, the, the fact is these two are very, very simple and they have so much variation in their individual stories that you kind of start looking for what what are the unchanging parts? What's the part that might have been there from the beginning that's not subject to regional variation? And there it's hunter, connection to Artemis, dies because they slight the gods. And it's like, okay, cool. That's something. There's the fact that in almost every single piece of early art with him, Acteon is doing the Orion pose. He's got one arm tucked up, holding like a shield or an animal pelt or something like that, and the other one over his head holding a club. And that's classic Orion. If you look at it like in the actual constellation in the sky, you can make that out. And if you look at the way that he was illustrated in like old uh, Greek star maps, it always looks like that. He's got one arm tucked up or holding an animal, and sometimes Acteon is holding one of the dogs, and he's got the other one way up. So that's something. And <laughs> finally, the actual Orion constellation is followed directly by Canis Major and Canis Minor. The constellations that in Canis Major include Sirius, Canis Minor. It's not that bright, but, you know. And with the Orion myth, those are his loyal hunting dogs following him across the sky. And, well, with Acteon, he sure was chased <laughs> down and devoured by his own hounds a lot. Exeons <laughs> um, devoured by own hounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like... You know, you, you look at this and you're like, okay, you've got an eternal chase myth. You've got a hunter pursued by hounds in almost every single piece of artwork. He's shown as human, even if the myths don't do that. And he's shown doing this very specific pose. And it really, really looks a lot like Orion. And the thing is, like, obviously the constellation myth probably predates almost any of the other versions because people have been telling stories about stuff they can observe and constellations are really, really obvious, especially in the... Uh, pre-electricity uh, empires <laughs> Pre and stuff pollution. like that. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the sky does visibly change pretty rapidly. So it's like, okay, you see this humanoid figure moving across the sky, followed by these two little dog shapes if you squint. And this happens over and over again. It changes with the seasons, and then he comes back and does it all over again. This is why you get a lot of astronomical eternal chase myths. Because there is a visible eternal chase. That's why Orion and the, the Scorpion are supposed to be in this eternal war, because they're on almost exactly opposite sides of the Zodiac, so only one of them is ever really visible at a time. And, you know, it kind of makes sense that you could have had this very early prototypical Orion constellation as hunter myth that then just kind of splits, you know? Yeah. People tell stories in different ways in different places. And, and we, we've seen divergent evolution in mythology with jumping back a few years now to the, like, Hermes video with, with yeah. Pan. That yeah. is a thing that happens. And I don't I don't know if that's what happened here, but it's happened before. It <laughs> Very has, well could have. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if it did happen, it probably happened, like, I'd say pre-Homeric because, yeah. you know, by yeah. that point, you know, Orion's pretty solidly put in stone and Acteon is being referenced in places. So this would be early stuff. And at that point, you're getting really theoretical. You're getting into like Proto-Indo-European, uh, you know, reproduced, attempting to reconstruct early religion stuff. It's it's a mess and there's no sources. So it's fully like, for me, this is the thumbtacks and string <laughs> zone. Some people make their whole lives and careers out of researching and trying to reconstruct this stuff. And I'm not qualified to talk about this. But that is my Acteon and Orion conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is that Acteon is an offshoot of the Orion constellation. 
myth. And that's why he's chased by dogs. <laughs> and I, devoured I, by his own hounds. Yeah, this is a great one. I really like how well it pairs with the um, the Great Norse Seal Fight video for somewhat <laughs> similar reasons. But uh, that's yes. all the time we have for that one. We, we should move on. Uh, yeah, to the uh, uh, slightly uh, more relevant, more yeah, contemporary slightly, video. Yeah, slightly more relevant video. Ah, so uh, as, as mild context... Uh, we had some videos that were topics requested by by patrons. We changed our Patreon tiers so we don't offer that reward anymore. But we had a list of patron requested topics that we've been working through since we since we changed it over. So some of our videos from from last year uh, were were patron requests, and I had a couple that were like. Oof, okay, you know, my, my Poland video was a patron request. It's like, oh, that was really good, but I'm like, oh, okay, I got I got to take a break before I do any more. The, uh, oh, yeah. the Frederick II Pope Fights video, fantastic video. That was a patron request. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'll give myself a little minute and then I'll, then I'll get back to it. And I I'd budgeted in this Ukraine video, which was like the last one. And I was like, okay, I guess I can talk about like the Kievan Rus, but like, I don't really know a lot about it. So like, I'm just going to let that one sit on the side because I'm a little scared. I don't know what to do. And then of course, real life happened. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I should do this. It's uh, time. So it was, it was quite a research hoist. It was probably one of the most difficult videos I've ever done, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of trying to get you know everything organized into one big timeline and jump into a video that was not only something that I'd never talked about before, because that's kind of what happened with Poland, and that was a very difficult one as well. But to try to make a history video that is still a history video, yet speaks to the present moment in a way that will not be outdated like within seconds um so uh that was really tough was to make it fit within this moment but not be so overwhelmingly colored by what's happening right now that the history is almost an afterthought so that was that was a hard balance to strike and i think i did it but like oh my gosh uh the the funny thing timing wise was that I, i recorded the video about three weeks before the video was uploaded um and at the end uh i say the line ruski vojeni koravi idinahoi which is russian warship go fuck yourself which is what the uh the commanders on snake island said to the russian flagship the moskva uh the slava class battleship of the black sea fleet which as it happens sunk the day before that video was posted yep yeah yeah it was pretty serendipitous timing on that one yeah it it was fired upon by um by a neptune class rocket um from i think from land uh, by the ukrainians but the russians of course were not about to admit that like their their ship got sunk by by a little little peewee rocket launcher so they're like yeah there was um there was a spontaneous fire uh, in the engine bay and and the ship sunk so so either you admit that you got got by like a shoulder fired rocket launcher I mean, it was probably land artillery. I don't really know yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Either, either launcher, you admit you got got by a rocket from the Ukrainians, or you admit that your ship literally went and fucked itself. Like, yeah. my dude, you got played. <laughs> but don't want to just make this about that. That was just a very funny thing that I wanted to acknowledge. Oh, yeah. Uh, timing yeah, no, wise. the timing was too perfect on that one. So. Yeah, I also had to spend about three hours after the video was uploaded going through and pruning the comments to get rid of the flagrantly, like, pro-war Russian propaganda. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a time. But the comments ended up being fun, and some people were like, if I had a nickel for every time Blue, you know, accidentally procrastinated his way into a war or a, a major civil disturbance the first time being Hong Kong, you know. Right have two nickels uh hey blue any other videos you're procrastinating right now <laughs> like the answer is no i'm not procrastinating no. anything i'm, yeah, I'm actually okay <laughs> i'm being responsible from here on out 
Um, yeah. So. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. No, it yeah. was a lot. It's interesting. Um, because uh, w- when I first read through the script, I had a I had a pretty tough time following it. Just like it was pretty wonky. <laughs> it was. I mean, all the information was there. It was just I I had to like draw the lines myself, and then you you like reworked it a little, and I was like, oh, now everything makes sense. And it's like the history is really nuts. Like it's super I mean, cool. the thing is, if you if you look at it like top down geologically from a world building perspective it's like yeah it's a really big flat ish area <laughs> in the middle of a giant continent it's the crossroads of just like five or six big personalities of course it's constantly getting stomped on and like you know conquered and then sort of unconquered and you know it's it's always interesting to see places like that because they really do develop identities of their own no matter how many people like stomp all over them it's yeah. it kind of reminds me of um just the anecdote I learned a while back that like uh, historically like people kept invading China and then just becoming China like yeah you don't invade China and make China you you become more China you become um, more China yeah, yeah the Mongols are like no we will come over and destroy and oh wait and they're what, like oh here's what the do you throat? mean we're China now god damn it <laughs> here's the bureaucracy here's your place and it's signed here here and here and what's happening <laughs> like where, where do I do I get to keep my horse and they're like yes sir you get to keep your horse it's like all right this maybe ain't so bad <laughs> you mean we get to keep your horse ah, <laughs> you yeah. get to keep our horse <laughs> okay all right uh yeah. yeah and you know you you look at these places and it's like yeah you know if 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 people are just constantly rolling up in your backyard then you know you get you find ways to deal with it you yeah it kind of becomes part of your national identity that people are constantly trying to stomp on you yeah you know? and, yeah the real crux of it was like you know as far as the kievan Rus goes like it's that very clear like three-part culture of like slavic plus scandinavian plus byzantine and that is what like what are the three pieces which together form the Megazoid of the the Kievan, the Megazord. It is definitely Damn it. Megazord. Damn it. <laughs> it's definitely Zord. Oh, sorry, I had to jump in. You were mis- misrepresenting the Megazoid. Power I, look, if you didn't watch Zoids when you were a kid, you were missing out. Um, it's from the Berenstain universe. <laughs> uh, but, like, it, of course, it, it forms the, the cultural Megazord uh, of, the, uh, of the Kievan Rus, uh, but you know, the Kievan Rus was, like, ended in the 1200s, and there's a lot between then and now that goes to define what Ukraine is. So, like, mm. tracing not just what that, that like, foundation layer of, like, Kievan Rusness is, but the process of, like, how did it interact with the larger empires that were sitting on top of it for several hundred years. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, it's not just that it's at the borderlands of all these different people, but that it survives in spite of it is what becomes part of that culture like that that painting the reply of the zaporozhian cossacks the guys who are like having drafting that response telling the sultan to go you know screw himself or whatever like yeah if there was any like if every culture had one painting that was like that's us you got it in one like that right there is so much of the spirit of that ukrainian like you come to show up and take our land fuck you yeah. die <laughs> that's yeah. it right there so um yeah, yeah. I, I I did skip a lot of 1900 stuff. There was there's um uh a, a whole host of like n- different polities and states in the aftermath of the uh of the First World War. Um, there, like I said, Ukraine declared independence. There were like four Ukraines, uh, <laughs> some uh, uh coming one after the other, some in the same space at the same time next to each other. Uh, so it was like a whole thing. I didn't have time for it, so I just kind of skipped it. Um, I glossed over a lot of the USSR stuff, but I really wanted to like make it about Ukraine 
rather than making it about like the USSR, because a lot of the the the, the histories talking about Ukraine will like really focus on, you know like starting with the Hetmanate and then kind of breezing up to like, okay, there was the Hetmanate, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Like world war one. And then we, we go to the modern day. So I wanted to like have that be there and, and draw the line from Ukrainian independence in 1991 and just being like, the story continues, which is what I usually do when I get to the nineties, but like, yeah. okay, no, here's actually how, like after that we got to the place where we are. So I hope that this, this video works as a, uh, as a history, but then also in the very end, like, as a primer to make people be like, oh, okay, I get it. I get why we're here. I understand what's going on. So, yeah, um, no, it's definitely think, not yeah. the whole story. There's a lot more to it. Um, I got a lot of mileage out of such and such was a wild ride. It's mm. it, it's it's a game of, of how much heavy lifting you can do with only a single phrase. Yeah. Yeah, no, you covered a lot of ground. Uh, I was kind of surprised when you, like, hit the 90s and kept going. But, like, so much of this is really recent history, especially yeah. now when it's current history. Um and uh, also, you had a donation link on it that blew past every single milestone we put in front of it. <laughs> yeah, I did. We we had because we did we did a fundraiser for for Ukrainian direct relief on the OSP After Dark that I joined on. We raised sixteen thousand dollars, which was yeah. awesome. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to get that much. Like the OSP After Darks command their own audience. Like I'm not going to touch that. So I put it up for five thousand dollars, and we got through that in an hour. Yeah. And then we bumped it to ten thousand dollars, and we got to that by the evening. So I posted a tweet like, oh my god, ten thousand! You guys are amazing! Like holy shit! And then. The next morning, I woke up and it was like LMAO. It's at twenty now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now, uh, last I checked, it was at thirty-four thousand uh, dollars for direct relief for for medical yep. supplies and other important stuff for Ukraine, as well as whatever the advertising revenue for this video is by the end of the month. Um, yeah, we'll so tally that be, up. And, yeah. uh, end of the first month, I should say, not just end of April. So yeah, that's right. exciting. Um, very, very proud of that. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to do a lot of good work once we get all that money over there. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, very rewarding. Very difficult. Um, I, I I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need a nap after that one. Mm. But uh, in the meantime, before we jump into the next part of the Q and A, we have two quick announcements. One is that um, on the other side of of like the things you can do with your money uh, in regards to OSP. After you've donated to the fundraiser, you should consider checking out our uh, our enamel pins because we are currently doing a spring cleaning sale, trying to get through as much as our old excess inventory stock as we can. So we've got uh, most of our old pins, um, except for uh, the 2020 runs. So like everything from from all the 2021 pins are, are available in stock. Um, and they're for three more days until the end of this Friday from the time of upload. Uh, so get them if you want. Otherwise, it'll be... Many months until you can get them again. Uh, but uh, in addition to that, we have a bonus episode of the podcast coming out next Wednesday, so a week from the time of upload. We're doing an Avatar Day bonus episode to talk about The Last Airbender with our good friend, uh, Tim, uh, Hello Future else? Me. Who else could is, it possibly who be? Else could, we, we, we came up with the concept of the episode, and it's like, okay... We have to get Tim, otherwise yeah. we're not doing this episode. <laughs> so that's a really fun one, uh, and I, I think you'll all enjoy it. So stay tuned for that next week. Heck but yeah. with that all announced, let's move into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Patreon. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first you Patreon on a twice. episode. Yeah, it's, it's Ask OS Pod on, on Discord. Uh, uh, the Ask OS Pod you channel on Discord. Uh, but <laughs> if you are a patron, uh, you have a yeah, chance that, that for your question to be read for first. You, for you eagle-eyed uh, listeners out eagle-eared. there. Eagle-eared. <laughs> 
Eagles don't have ears. Don't be silly. That's why they scream so loud. Well, these questions are on Discord, but this first one is from a patron, and the rest will just also be from Discord. We clarified, and I. I goofed on it, but this question, it comes from Darius Sobritus. Uh I forgot if this has been asked before, but to all, what would your personal flags be? Color, emblem or animal, pattern, etc. So design your personal flag. So like if you conquer Blue, the world. I feel like you might have opinions on yes. this. Yeah, if you conquer yeah. the world, this would fly yeah. overhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, because Thoughtful in this coming. thought experiment, we are conquering the world. Mine's going to be red on black, yes. and I think we need a really nice, nice yes. minimalist, kind of like sharp, like spiky emblem that I can also put on the chest plates of all my faceless minions, um, you know, my, my, my guards. <laughs> How committed are you to reinventing the aesthetic of fascism, Red? Um, <laughs> red and black well, spiky emblems? My dude, I'm sorry. There's no, no, no way this isn't fascism. It's red Like, they tried to black. do it in the sequels for Star Wars, and it's like, oh, you've just been, like, space fascist. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. It's, it's, they can't co-opt those colors. Those are mine. <laughs> I'm co-opting it back, all right? When At I least do don't it, have it be a spiky emblem. <laughs> a spiky emblem. It, like like with spikes. <laughs> like the chaos emblem from and you're around 40K. all the corners. <laughs> it's just a red porcupine on a black field. <laughs> yes, fine. We'll go with that. <laughs> Look, when I do it, it's progressive <laughs> because I'm appropriating it back. <laughs> Anyway, oh so my death tower. <laughs> <laughs> nice skyscraper, big sky beam. I need like a throne room. <laughs> uh. Several faceless goons to monologue at about how my apprentice will mm-hmm. never betray me. <laughs> no, 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 no. The faceless goons aren't worthy of being monologued. I will need a quirky mini boss squad of like close <laughs> friends and acquaintances oh. whose uh, whose skills yes. I, I require in defense of my yeah. And one of them will be like my my cool right hand man. But he's the one who I monologue mm-hmm. about how he'll never, ever betray me to everybody else. But then right when we get up to, like, the final showdown, it becomes clear that I've only ever valued for him for his skills and not, like, friendship or anything like that. And that's what pivots him mm-hmm. to the side of good. And, yeah, it's classic. I know that this is a thinly this is a thinly veiled reboot discussion, isn't it? I, I'm sensing some Believe track. it or not, it's not. Because, oddly <laughs> enough, reboot does not have all that many right-hand men. Okay, wait, wait, wait. If this is not a reboot discussion, then it's a Transformers discussion? Well... It could be. Believe it or not, I do have original ideas sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this can be communicated from Red's flag. Of course, we're getting the whole narrative just yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> porcupine rampant imagery. on a field of black. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and blue. What is your flag aesthetic? Oh, and I need hexagons. I need like a tessellating oh. hexagon pattern in the background <laughs> to really get across like the queen bee aesthetic, kind of like suddenly, oh, and also yeah. like the the Deus Ex go... cyberpunk kind of. Make the whole thing like a big hexagon shape instead of a rectangle. Yeah, the really flag is just a hexagon. No, but then I need to, I need it to be in band. Hold on, wait. I think we did just reinvent the empire again. Damn it! <laughs> oh, no. And you all laughed at me when I called this out at the beginning of the question. I'm just gonna take the what kind of supervillain would you be question out of the list for today's episode, since apparently we're covering no, that. No, no, this, this is if you take over the world. That's a completely different class of supervillain. Only some supervillains ever take over the world. <laughs> Most of them That's fail. True. Yeah, they, tr- they start with the tri-state area and then they just get uh, thwarted <laughs> time and time again. 
but most importantly, all of them have iconic flags. Flags. Like, yeah. Blue your flag. Yeah, so of course the... I will keep this podcast on track, damn it. So, so Red's goal is to not accidentally reinvent fascism, and my goal is to not accidentally reinvent Venice. So uh, how close those two are is dependent on your reading of history. Uh, but um, a couple centuries early on, they weren't so great. Um, but yeah, obviously it's got to be like like a blue and white design. It's such a good bicolor. Yeah. I do like that. You know, the Venice has a lot of fun patterning and bordering. I think that flags that take advantage of patterns are great. Like uh, Kazakhstan, Belarus have that nice little banner on, on the left side that look really great. So it has some kind of like like floral decorative pattern. And then I do like the idea of the tails, but I'm trying to not just reinvent the Venice flag. <laughs> so I feel like you could have some nice, um, like, there's this... There's this pattern on the floor of the Duomo in Florence that's of like course. this, um, this like infinitely receding, um, <laughs> like it almost looks like like a like a hyperdrive kind of thing. Like um, there's like shapes on the floor that are really small in the middle and big on the side, so it looks like it's like all kind of going in. Hmm. You can have some kind of fun like outward radiating pattern or something. This sounds uh, like a flag that mm. the people who have to sew them would cry thinking about. Oh, yeah, no, my embroiderers would be paid thousands of dollars uh, per flag for the effort required to do There's this. It's a thriving industry. There's a principle in, like, comic character design where, like, you can design a really cool character, but then you need to be willing to draw them over and over again. Yeah. So, like, there there are characters that have just been, like, unpersoned from various superhero franchises. Just, like, there was one that had, like, a full-on Harlequin costume with, like, domino patterns everywhere. Oh, and the colorists God. were like, fuck you! And so they've just, just never been seen again. <laughs> So. Issue two, they died a horrible death. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to yes. to not like just make this ridiculously over designed, but I feel like that's what it's going to end up being is just like mm-hmm. looping laurel wreath patterns and all kinds of like floral embroidery in in as many surfaces as possible. So there's that is very there's almost you, as much so. accent color as field color <laughs> yeah, at this point. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I have a, I have a flag. Okay. Bitch. Really tiny versions of every single country's flag in the world sewn together to make one bigger flag. Oh God! Isn't that, that was what like the, the UN like flag? Tried to that was, no, no, no. That was the that was the rejected EU barcode flag. Yeah, the, that's what I meant. Because everyone yeah. in Europe's a fucking tricolor, <laughs> so they're like, let's just stitch these together. It's like, no. It looked like ass. Yeah, it was a lot of really yes. bright, bold reds and greens right next yeah. to each other. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, nothing will go mm-hmm. wrong there. Or blues. there's that unofficial yeah. flag of Earth, which just looks like an asshole. <laughs> You guys see that one? It's all the concentric yes. circles. That's yeah. like it's like a Venn yeah, diagram, but like like eight of them together. It just it it's like it's like the parody flag from Community, mm-hmm. E pluribus anus. It's that. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah. with a slightly different color scheme. It's just nine concentric rings. Yeah. I think they stole that from Heinlein actually. Yes, yeah. that's the that's the Church of All Worlds thing. Oh from, yeah. The mm. the problem is that flag design is actually very hard, which yes. is why most flags are either boring or bad. Yes. It's very rare that you get a flag that's good. It's like there's like seven of them. One That's of them is the UK flag. I, I see your <laughs> I see your bad flag design, and I raise you counterpoint. This is what makes like uh, publicly open flag design contests amazing because you just get like the world's most fascinating submissions from like a 10 year old in Wisconsin who's like I'm going to make a kiwi have a laser yeah, eye and let's paint laser kiwi I was flag. just gonna say that yes <laughs> I gotta say though shout out to the Mexican flag with the little like decal in the middle oh yeah of the, no, the Mexican the, flag the eagle yeah. on the cactus killing the snake and it's like hell yeah so good yeah yeah, yeah. 
we used to have to do coloring pages for the Pennsylvania state flag in like elementary school. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's like a big Navy background with like a really intensely ornate emblem in the center. Mm. And coloring in that thing was the bane of my like fifth grade existence. I hated it so much. And we always had to do it in like social studies. I got to say, though, shout out to the Chicago flag. It's really yeah. simple and minimalist. Yeah, that yeah. the Chicago and the Amsterdam flag are, are two flags on a similar theme that yep. work really really well because it's just it's just some some horizontal lines and then some shapes in the middle yep it's super good and the funniest part is the chicago flag stars all represent horrible things that happen to the city (laughs) (laughs) you never know by looking at him but that one's the fire (laughs) that one's the other fire uh Uh, there's a joke that like people are like oh what are we going to add a fifth star to the flag for the joke is like (laughs) we'll add a fifth star to the flag for the time we added a fifth star to the flag (laughs) (laughs) Look, yes. uh, look, if you spend your whole existence being second fiddles in New York City, you take pride in weird things, Ooh. okay? <laughs> they call themselves Ooh. the second city, all right? You don't yeah, do that no, without some kind yeah. of issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chicago, the Lancer really, of cities. <laughs> this is New York, is the Empire big, State, um, and this is Dumbfucksville. <laughs> <laughs> all of the mysterious mask, all, all of the questionable mascots that every Philadelphia sports team has for some reason just smushed into like a rainbow colored background. That's not actually the city flag, but it I, should no, be. The Philadelphia city Hire flag me, should city just be like a, an orange field and then Gritty's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a disservice to the OG weird mascot, the Philly fanatic, who has been holding it down for. He is, he's gotten more p- family friendly in recent years, but the fanatic has been on being a weird mascot since day one, and we do not put enough I gotta respect look on up his what name. This man looks like. Hold on. The Philly fanatic is like a green monster with like a big a giant proboscis. Oh like god, a, that's weird. Yeah, kind of like Cubert. Yeah. <laughs> it's just green Cubert. Yeah, that's a that's green a thing. Cubert. All right. You know, you know the guy from Doodle yeah. Jump is just this is green Doodle Jump. Yes, yes, exactly. But like taller and a baseball yeah. mascot. Didn't um, this guy perform no. Nomina with the Muppets that one time? <laughs> Probably. So, but you well, know. Well, jump back, back uh, jumping back to the question of the flags, we have <laughs> we have fascism, ridiculously Art. overdesigned Venice copy, and then Philly. Every it's single flag, just oh, every single flag in the world. <laughs> Red and black is not the exclusive uh, property of fascism, and it'll it'll never and not be that if we don't get to reclaim on that it. Note, My we'll evil empire next will be very egalitarian. <laughs> Your new empire, Afghan <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine, is a fascist. <laughs> I'm stronger than him. <laughs> Guys, we do not have time to just redo the entirety of the pre. No, I'm playing Lego like Star right Wars now. right now. It's top of mind. <laughs> I am too. Blue, I promise you there is a Lego Star Wars related question. If you can keep it all inside for just a little bit if longer. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. <laughs> 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 this next question comes from Meow. Uh, to all, what is? Wait, rewind. <laughs> Back up. Rewind. Is it all like like tiny lowercase font? <laughs> I was just trying to talk about N I A L L nail nail probably. Oh. I, the way you said it, I thought it was like how they do like they do the exponent font, so the characters are. Yeah. Like, you can do a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> no. with Discord's Unicode. <laughs> just a regular Super oh, script. Okay. You said it so diminutively. Okay, sorry. Continue. Nail. <laughs> Uh, to all, what's your favorite little knickknack you own? For example, I have a 12 centimeter bust of Hadrian I got in the Great British Museum. Nice. It has to be small, cannot be a sword or custom flag of Venice. Cough, cough, yep, blue. Yep, 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 so yep, what's yep. like a small little tchotchke, tchotchke you got that you're like, I like this, this John. I like this thing. Well, 
no sword is fine because mine is the bronze replica knife that Blue got me a few years back. <laughs> yeah, I got it for Red in Athens at my favorite antique shop because a lot of the antique shops in Athens, like anywhere else, are like they sell the same shit. And there's the one store that sells different stuff, and it's like, okay, this like you actually got from like a person. Yeah, uh, it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really fun like like it's kind of like Troy the movie style. It's pretty like over the top. There was never any knife that looked like this, but it's weathered to look like like a bronze knife you just dug out of the earth. I love the thing. Sorry, I'm talking yeah. over your thing because no, no, I bought yeah. it. But like, it's yeah. balanced really well. It's fun. You can kind of like sort of like the way it's weighted, you can sort of like hold it by the end bit and just kind of like pendulum it around or like flip it. It's really cool. Um, and it's definitely my favorite little mini knickknack because like I don't, I don't try to own that many things that are just like small and fun. I like things to have purposes. So it's like... It's almost entirely mm. presents, and like I got a little like pirate spyglass when I was really little. That's still consistently one of my favorite just things nice. to have. Nice, because <laughs> nice. it actually works as a telescope, but also it's like bronze and leather, <laughs> so it just it looks great. That's fantastic. I'm trying yeah. to think of like because I'm looking up at my shelf right now, and I have a lot of like small knickknacks <laughs> and stuff, cruising. like like ven- uh, vases I've got. Um, uh, a, a brick that Cyan got me uh, from from Venice. There's a company that sells like like small little things. It's not a real brick. It's like like a fragment of it. Mm. Um, she also got me a a small scale model of of boar vessel Etruscan ceramic before I oh, found yes. out it was a forgery. Um, but I probably have to go with. I got silver cup of swords too. That one's pretty. I fun. do have the tiny silver cup of swords that I got from from one of Cyan's sisters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say though this past January. Um, I, I've been known to do some dabbling in Lego design, and I had an idea mm. of what would the Duomo in Florence look like if it were neoclassical instead of gothic, and uh-huh. I'm like, well, yep. I can't do anything with this, and then an hour later I'm like, wait, I can make it in Lego. So I played around with it for a few <laughs> weeks uh, designing what a neoclassical Florence Duomo would look like in Lego, and it's like, it's the same size as like the architecture scale set, so it's not ridiculously big, but I designed it uh, in in studio, Lego's digital designer, and then I ordered the pieces and I built it, and it's on my shelf, and it's great. Yeah. It's super fun. I uh, it, it is small, like I, I can hold it in my hand, but it's super cool because I'm like hell yeah, I designed that. So it's like all it's it's the same basic shape of the Florence Duomo, like the baptistry I turned into a triumphal arch because that's like a classical touch. I did all kinds of fun stuff. It's great. Yeah. The top of the dome Ooh. is an Oculus instead of uh, instead of a lantern on top. It's 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 super fun. Yeah. <laughs> So you see, when your new empire been... takes hold, <laughs> <laughs> you see these are the benefits of conquering the world. Yeah, uh, oh, I, I, have very, I have a very, I have a very, a southern European perspective on aesthetic. <laughs> I've also similarly been staring at my desk, cork boards, and shelf, trying to f- suss out. I, I love little weird knickknacks. It's my favorite. <laughs> that shit hits so good. It's just, it's the the crow collecting shiny objects in me. Um, I mean, I I've, I usually don't uh, get D&D minis specific to characters because they're usually pricey and I don't play a lot of in-person D&D anymore, but I do have minis for my um, Rolling with Difficulty character yes. and a few others that I, I'm very fond of. There's a little tiny Kirby that I just picked oh. up once because it's Kirby season, baby. It is Kirby Forgotten season. Forgotten World Slaps. <laughs> um, do they make like Kirby stress balls? I feel like that would be... Absolutely they right, do. Cool. Yes, right. 100%. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lots of, like, enamel pins and that kind of stuff. But I think my current favorite, like, tchotchke is got to be, um, I have this, like, Sailor Moon candle. And it's very small. 
but it's like a nice cute little jar with a cork on top and it's got little bunnies and moons printed on it and it smells incredibly strongly like plums (laughs) i did not realize it was scented but it's cute and i've been burning it a lot recently so that's the one i've been most actively using and thinking about but there's an infinite number of, and a lot of like um, the boutonniere from Blue's Wedding oh, and yeah. that oh, kind of yeah. stuff floating around as well. I've got a few of those oh, in a small oh. cup in my bedroom. Yep. I know what it is. It's a little Coke bottle from China that's um, got the Mandarin logo for Coca-Cola. Oh, that's it. very cool. And I put a plant in because no bottle can go unfilled with plant <laughs> in this household. Classic. Yeah. Spider plant or different plant? <laughs> uh, it's a pothos plant that I've been propagating because they, if you just stick those in water, they just keep growing. They just Perfect. go. So I've got like... Yeah eight or nine of them just yeah, no. <laughs> all over the bookshelf Hilarious. every wine bottle becomes a plant bottle um yeah indigo you it's recycling i guess yeah, you into the past uh, I, gifted yeah. me one of your pothos plants um and yes. it was a race between whether it would grow faster or whether cleo would eat it all um yes. cleo did win <laughs> but it took a while <laughs> <laughs> i like how like yeah they don't grow much in the in the wine bottles but they do stay alive so if you want like one or two leaves hanging out they're a nice little accessory but if you have a cat they will maybe try and eat i them. like the idea that like you guys were like oh i wonder when cleo will finally finish eating that plant and meanwhile she's like for every head i cut off two more grow in its place <laughs> what is its secret <laughs> cleo sees a plant hydra in, yeah. <laughs> mocking it from the window <laughs> incredible this next question comes from Svend. To all, do you guys have work experience outside of YouTube? And if so, do you use that in your current work? Like like a real job? <laughs> um, yeah, or like, uh, like in, if did you work in high school or anything? Job we kinda, at place? You don't have to get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking personally, I kind of dodged that bullet because the channel became self-sustainable right when I was starting to like look in the future of graduation mm. and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, I did, like, I've done, like, volunteer work at stuff, you know, like, I, I did some very harrowing work at a daycare for a little while for, like, a high school community. <laughs> it was fine. The kids just figured out that I could catch them when they fell off stuff and were like, hey, <laughs> come Games. look at this. Oh, yeah. It's like, ah! <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I uh, I worked back-end, uh, like, programming stuff uh, for threadless the t-shirt company whose website we used to use um yeah so we still actually do have a threadless shop it's got a lot of our older designs but some people have said they like threadless's fit better which like power to you if that's the case and i still Um, have the t-shirts i got instead of being paid (laughs) 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 it was like a high school internship that was pretty standard Um, (laughs) (laughs) wage theft Um, yeah well this is a nice t-shirt though yeah uh, I, like Red, jumped right into OSP out of college. We didn't really have, like, a job we did before we did OSP, but I did a lot of, like, TAing and related stuff when I was in college. So I worked as, like, peer tutors and, and helping, like, in my program for, for kids who are, like, a, a grade or two uh, below me um, to, like, help them work through the classes that I had just gone through. Uh, so I did a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, and that's mainly where I spent my time like thinking how do the students think because like <laughs> i know how i think when i'm a student but i'm just me and that's yeah. not a good sample size <laughs> so that was was actually probably a really big help um in my understanding of like how to go about making our stuff as good for students as possible with spending time with them like nice. what is it like what is it that trips people up what do people get stuck on what's what's the most confusing what what do people like the least yeah yeah, yeah no that's very yeah. useful because i i never did anything like that uh because as soon as i was done with the class i was like oh thank god <laughs> never want to go back there so <laughs> and no TA delete work for me. exactly <laughs> yes 
Yeah. I had so many jobs through. I was I've been babysitting since I was like 10 and uh which will teach you very quickly that children think it's very fun for you to exert yourself physically. Yep. Um the kids I babysat for liked to play a game where I just dragged them around on a blanket all over in circles in the carpet. Oh, yo, that and they liked the to play best. that for hours. <laughs> yo, circle blanket game. <laughs> I was in better shape when I was babysitting them, so it wasn't that bad, but man, would I hate to do it now. Yeah. Um, You'd get back in shape pretty uh, quick, I've been, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, why you're I've not in shape anymore. You stop playing circle blanket games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been a camp counselor. I worked at an accounting office for a while as like a desk assistant, and then they fired all the accountants, so I had to get trained to be an accountant, and I only worked there for like three more months. And I, everyone who worked in that office was not an accountant, and we were all student employees, and only one person in that room was anywhere near a business or math major. It was like a film major. Um, That's one, not like, a, okay. Sorry, that was, I presume, not sciences. the person who was near a business or math major. <laughs> I was no. like, that film. Um, <laughs> a theater major. Uh, someone who was just in general science, like general studies, and uh, one like like HR related business side, so like focused on like the human resources side. So none of us knew what we were doing. <laughs> we were just like, what if you ran all the finances? And it was awful. But now I know what an SAP sheet SAP sheet is, so I guess it's been useful. I don't know. I didn't learn anything relevant to the accounting that I do in my day job. Um, I've been a lot of different kinds of office assistants besides that. Uh, I was a TA for a while, but I taught a motion picture editing class. So basically all it taught me was that really how to get really good at troubleshooting Avid Media Composer. If you were in my motion picture editing class, no, you weren't. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Oh, I tour guide, all that. Kind of, I've, I've just had a lot of odd jobs and a lot of them have been people forward positions, which has helped me now as a freelancer because I have a lot of people forward positions where I'm just like, and now I will have to wrangle all of these people to be at the same place at the same time or communicate with this client who's like really hard to reach and stuff like that. And just being, having a lot of practice talking to a lot of people is yeah. really useful. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that, I don't use a ton of the skills from those jobs in my, in like, cause there's not a lot of technical editing stuff or like <laughs> podcast producing, yeah. but you know, um, yeah. yeah. So Experience can jobs. contribute tangentially <laughs> in ways that you might yeah. not expect. And that's that's important to keep in mind that just because mm -hmm. something didn't seem straightforwardly productive does not mean that it was a waste of time. Like for instance, I hated doing yeah. my economics minor, <laughs> but it was really helpful for me being able to pretty mm -hmm. much solo the business aspect of OSP and make sure <laughs> yeah. that all our numbers work. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, like yeah. the, the, the stuff I picked up from just doing math proofs for like eight straight years is uh, just a lot of like really good being able to logically reason through stuff uh, and like trace things out. It's mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't think that would translate into being able to source papers, but it's really not that dissimilar once you hit a certain level of just math. It's like, all right, I got to pull this formula and this theorem. And then yeah. if I apply it to this shaped thing, the, the downside is I also apply it to things that it doesn't apply to. So I'm like, well, you see, these two myths are topologically similar. And people are like, that's not a thing. <laughs> so stop it. Yeah. Um, there's also nothing wrong with just like having a job that you're not super passionate about oh, yeah. or getting much from other than a paycheck. Cause like a lot of times those office worker gigs, I just use those to fund production design on short films and stuff that I, you know, didn't have a budget to cover otherwise. Yeah. And that's like totally fine. Do, do a, you know, rote job that you are cool with and not, don't hate to get that bank and do fun hobbies on the side. Awesome. Yeah. Not everything has to be in service of some higher career. Yeah. If, like you just need to kill a summer or something. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I mean, I think like it can be sort of comforting to think like, oh, you know, whatever skills I pick up here, they will help me out later on. And I think that's generally yeah. true just because like it'll just help you become a more like just jack of all trades type of person. You know, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. know what benefit you'll get from it later. But you'll. I mean, like, you know, yeah. almost every writer I know is like, yeah, you know, when I pick up an odd job or whatever, it 
teaches me what it's like to do that job, and then I can write about that job later. And, you know, when you do arts and stuff, it expands. Blue, what's up? <laughs> Sorry, Cleo is very loudly snoring next to me. Oh. I don't know if this is picking up on <laughs> my... <laughs> no, oh, it's absolutely not picking up on your mic, but happening. it is very cute. But, yeah. yeah, I think the thing is, like, we, we've... In the OSP and expanded OSP crew, we've got a wide spectrum of like yeah. job to no job experience. I'm I'm probably the mm-hmm. least jobbed of any of us. Um, <laughs> I uh, it just it didn't fortunately because the thing is I don't like I don't take instruction very well and I tend to rankle <laughs> under authority and I don't like having to deal with people outside of like very specific kinds of dealing with people so i don't think it would have gone well if i'd had to do this so it's nice that i don't have to that i can like if i want to like do volunteer work or something that's something i can look into without it being Mm. something i have to like yeah i think a lot of things are harder when you're stuck doing them you know like yeah yeah but yeah yeah. don't work in an accounting office for two years if you don't know how to do math and also don't want to be an accountant is my personal advice in that regard but also you know Learn to do a little math while you're there, and then at least you get to say that after. Yep. And accounting jobs can pay well, I understand. Like, that was... That... Uh, mine didn't, because it was, like, a part... It was right, um, yeah. part of my work study, so I got minimum wage. Um, but... Uh, in the brief window of time when I part was of, looking into it, yeah. real jobs you can get with a BS in math, accounting was, like, the number one one. <laughs> and some yeah. of If you are actually well. an accountant, yeah, you can get a decent living wage out yep. of that. If you are an office assistant who is doing the job of an accountant, yeah. you should probably um, look for a raise or a different yeah, job. Yeah, so, because you're being exploited. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Look, I am thinking uh, back to all... my flag uh, from two oh. questions ago, and it, it, it wouldn't have a rectangular end. It uh-huh. was a common design in the medieval period that, like, flags, like, the, the flying end would be, like, rounded, and mine would be rounded on the end. And I've decided to give with, my like, porcupine like, a rocket design. launcher. and on that updated note we'll move on to the next question so this one comes from uh sasa to all since it always is a blast when the os pod pitches a new media property be it a movie game or musical what media should be next adapted as a lego movie or game blue this is where the lego star wars of it all is coming in because i think you and i have both been playing the uh, game so what if you were to pick another media property to be made into a Lego game yeah. or movie, which one would you want so to see adapted? The, the reason that the Lego games work so well is because A, it makes any media property accessible to kids, which is great. Um, but B mm-hmm. is that because it is a parody, it lets the things that are cool about something be cool and just furiously makes fun of the parts of something that are dumb and just lets the audience laugh along to how dumb the thing is. So even, like, what's good is good and what's bad is made good because it's a parody now, because it's allowed to laugh at it. So anything that can benefit from that treatment would benefit from the Lego Star Wars treatment. Um, it but would is it also work on to- Game of Thrones? <laughs> I just, like, the kid-friendly part alone is a bit of a hoist. You could probably, like, you can find some creative solutions to offing all the characters. It, it almost seems like it would be too dour yeah. to work. Well, I guess like, the problem the is, self... like, if you make Game of Thrones consistently fun and good, you're still going from, like, negatives. So, like, you just you're get something just, that's kind yeah. of boring and inoffensive, I guess. Yeah. My original yeah, thought was like, oh, like a loader Lego game, but that already exists. So I yeah, that does already exist. <laughs> just for fantasy I... series. Oh, you know what? You know what? I want to do a deep pull on this one. I want to do Ooh. Michael Moorcock's Eternal Champion series as Legos. <laughs> I want to get El- Elric of Melnibone in there and sure. Prince Hawkmoon. <laughs> game or uh, movie? 
Uh, we knew uh, game game because that way, like, I understand yeah. that one of the benefits of the new Lego Star Wars game is how expansive it is and how there's like yeah, different the whole galaxy is explorable. Right. Well, insane. the gist of the Eternal Champion series is that there's this like heroic spirit, the Eternal Champion, that keeps getting reborn in different worlds as different guys. So like all of these book series are about just like a different hero, but they're all incarnations of the Eternal Champion. So like Prince Elric. Prince Hawkmoon, there's a bunch of them. And then there's one who remembers all of his previous lives, and he's a very <laughs> unhappy dude. <laughs> um, and then there's a big crossover where they all meet at this, like, dimensional nexus and hang out and, like, fight a bad guy together. And the guy who, like, remembers everything is just having, like, the worst migraine off in the corner the whole time. I've, I haven't read these books in years. I remember having a good time but not understanding a lot of them. I just think Legos could really help make that more accessible. <laughs> and it's, like, weird to me that there was this massive <laughs> series of very popular fantasy novels of all different kinds of settings, like Elric is like dark fantasy and then Hawkmoon is more like steampunk and the bad guys are like a thinly veiled British Empire XP and stuff like that. And it's like, there's something for everyone in the Eternal Champion series. It's weird that they never even got like a really shitty miniseries on the BBC made out of it. Like, you know, <laughs> nobody nobody thought to adapt this stuff to screen. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, so that's my pitch. Yeah, Three it, people in the world are going to agree with me on this and I'm related to most of them. <laughs> and they're probably it's... all listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a Lego. It's it's not a media property, but I feel like you can make a really fun Lego game out of the British Empire assembling and then disassembling the British Empire. You get Literally, a lot of fun different locales. You hey. get to make fun of the British Empire. Mm. Mm, uh, there'd definitely be a mission where you pull off a heist at the British Museum, uh, just by like disassembling <laughs> the famous artifacts, stuffing them in your bag, taking them out, and reassembling them somewhere else later. But that's not a media property, <laughs> so it doesn't count. Um, yeah. As far as media properties. go, Go. I think you Is there could... like a Lego Godzilla? Like No, that would be cool. I think yeah. you could probably do a decent Doctor Who, but I don't know enough about Doctor Who to say if that would actually be like enjoyable. Oh. Um I think like it could work, but whether or not it would be good is another question. So I'm i I'm not committing to that answer either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the problem uh, is the quality is so wildly variable from episode to episode that it's yeah. like Yeah. <laughs> And you can't really make it an open world because there's not really a linear plot most of the time. And the seasons that have linear plots are bad, generally. Um, yeah. Mostly because they're written by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> and he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, anyway, yeah. so, yes. I'm, I'm really struggling because, like, all the ones that I would think of are like, no, like, I've already done that. Ah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, Batman, already three times. <laughs> yeah, like a Batman movie was, up till now, my favorite Batman movie adaptation. Now you've yeah. seen the Batman. Dethroned. We'll have to offline about that because yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 feelings of the Batman. Offline. It's, it's still going to be online. <laughs> uh, just like a Lego job simulator. You just play through the part of the Lego movie where he's still working, like, a day job, but it's just, like, oh, yeah. cause chaos of the office. It. Just punch someone's death. Cheryl. Lego um, Untitled Goose Game. Yes. Uh, oh, Percy Jackson, I don't think, has a Lego game. That would be oh, a fun universe to play in. Because you could just make the open world New York City and, and like, That'd Olympus and yes. just get to, like, play yeah. around with that. If you have any travel super, locations super cool. to, like, Las Vegas and stuff, and everyone could have their different, like, divine domain special ability because that gives you your subclass system, kind of like you how You could the, put the you know, labyrinth under the city and yes. then use that to travel to different regions. I. Th this is making me think... What about, and this might be terrible, what about Lego Shakespeare? That's pretty light <gasps> I think light that could work pretty well. And having to do a monologue without, like, with the mumble voices, like... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Alternative though, because they haven't in the most recent game, they did all the full voices. You bring in like Sir Patrick Stewart and like all of the <laughs> yeah. great like yeah. Shakespearean actors to, to voice the game. <laughs> you like, hey guys, we're gonna do a Lego Shakespeare game. <laughs> Please go as hard as you possibly can in reading these iconic lines that we have changed one or two words of to make them Lego appropriate. <laughs> okay, so like I don't know how this normally works in Lego games. When somebody dies, like do all their limbs fly off or something, or do they? It just depends. Yeah, they break okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. awesome. Because I was hoping that, like, at the climactic final scene of Romeo and Juliet, like, <laughs> Romeo's, like, head pops off and Juliet's like, Lee. oh, Romeo! <laughs> the, um, the out damn spot out, I say, oh, scene is just Lady Macbeth taking out her little Lego hand and, like, trying to rinse it under the water. <laughs> she yeah, can't get yeah, it she takes out one Lego hand with the other. To, oh, my <laughs> God. This cursed hand, yes. there, be clean. <laughs> they're this. like, oh, yeah, she's this. a... Okay, yeah, I think Lego Shakespeare's I think Lego Shakespeare's way to go. Way to go. Yeah. Okay, um... We have time for one more question before we sign off. Uh, So, Red, this is your warning to get ready for the um, outro. And and we're returning um, to some familiar territory in the pitch realm. Uh, Sleeved Goblin asks, to all, the OSPCU, Overly Sarcastic Production Cinematic Universe, has been going (laughs) great with the time heist movies. But now, a new generation is coming. What mentor role would you each have to teach these new recruits? So you're a mentor in the time heist series. All of our, our previous... Heroes have retired, and we're training the new the new gen of time okay. heisters. What kind of a mentor do you want to be? What role do you take? Does this so, imply that we're going back through time to find specifically like kid team members? I think it's just well, okay, not the same. Is team it like as prior? Are yeah. we are we collecting like more people from the present? to like take the role of the main POV characters because that's typically what happens in like next gen sequels is that like the former protagonists become the mentors to a new generation of protagonists so like we're we're picking some theoretical random johnnies to be the new main characters in Mm -hmm. the new time heist trilogy and they're the ones who are going to go back in time and grab people Yes. All right. I think well, that I call dibs on dying in the finale. <laughs> <laughs> dibs on I got a climactic sword fight duel with Julius Caesar on a rooftop. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to go full like old Toph and just be out in the woods somewhere. And you have to find me if oh, you want yeah. training. Ah. Right. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what we did for for one of the the premises of the old like like Reds out in the woods with the dogs? <laughs> I think I was out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The tables have yeah, turned. Because... It's the it's the awful turn for Luke Skywalker in the new gen movies, you know. It, <laughs> it's that that kind of a mentorship. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay, so we need to also character assassinate you along the way. Yes, you gave exactly. up editing 30 years ago. <laughs> I haven't And now the you keyboard. just do accounting work. <laughs> uh, poorly. <laughs> and you have a poster of Gritty with like a like his face like crossed out dramatically. <laughs> He's like, been throwing no. darts at him for years. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we really want to make the people who like the original suffer for having yes. the audacity to still be alive and into our stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'd like to say that I could take the uh, the old Bruce Wayne approach of like, as soon as I realized that I wasn't cut out for it anymore, I'm like, okay, heck. So I try to make an exoskeleton for myself and that doesn't work immediately. So I'm like, okay, fine. I guess I'll get someone else to do it. You and then I just sulk. become old Bruce Wayne to yeah. Terry McGinnis. Yeah, where, and then some like, random, I'm, like, I'm off in my library. Kid. Just like, you know, hollering instructions through like an earpiece right. and then some whoever the hell it is. Like I'll I'll go back in time and like pluck one of the like insane 
you know, like virtuoso fencers from the Italian Renaissance and be like, okay, you're in charge. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, in order for the proper old Bruce Wayne effect, it needs to be that this kid finds you for some reason. Oh, uh, fair, fair, fair. And then, like, so that that kid gets to be, like, the new POV character and, like, serves the inciting incident, and then you have to go and collect us from whatever we're doing. Um, mm. And that's how we get, like, the Time Ice 2.0, you know, all kinds of fun adventures through time yeah. or whatever. And at some point, I get to die heroically. Because yeah, I think all the mentors cool. need to finally have linked up, like, all of our protégés in whatever form they have yeah. have gotten together and brought all of us with them. And this is where Red's climatic, uh, dramatic's final sacrifice fight to the death happens. Because obviously it's most impactful if all of your friends and family are vaguely nearby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either yeah. force sensing you through a spaceship like right outside the planet's atmosphere. I was I've been playing through Lego Star Wars. It's fresh in the mind. I couldn't <laughs> tell. <laughs> I'm currently on the the, the new trilogy. <laughs> you can't tell. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it would be weird if you could remember that much of it. Otherwise, let's be completely. It honest. does live in the brain rent free. Not because it's good, because every piece of media I consume is just. I'm. I am just all of that in a trench coat now. It's just but, filed uh, away I, in your I mind. I actually palace. do remember episode eight pretty well. It's just episode yeah. nine is a blur. Episode eight was people actually kept trying cool. to talk to me about episode eight, so I was forced against my will to remember details <laughs> from it, even though I didn't like it. Don't come think, for me for that one. I know it's po- po- popular with fun. a subset of fans. <laughs> I like that okay. it's set like salty, and then like you. You shmug it up a little bit, and then like the underside of the planet's red. That's a cool look. That part was That's cool. Fun. I think yeah. like, that movie was, was like <laughs> that movie was like one good fight scene and one really good SFX shot, and like ninety eight percent dumb shit. Yes. And it's like what and, was this and, you question know, about again? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like Mentors. the problem we're struggling with is that, like, the, the ultimate premise of the time heist is that it's us fucking around in, like, the past. What? And, okay, like... wait, wait, wait. I, I think I've hacked it. I think I know how this works. We oh, have yeah? to mentor ourselves. It's us from the future oh. have become the mentors to the current era because we've already right. experienced the time heist. We've done it all before. We've been there. We've done that. That's how we get our, our jaded indigo, our ready-to-die <laughs> I wouldn't be like seeking it. I'm just saying it should happen. But you would be genre closure. savvy to the end because I can see oh, you yeah, up there yeah. having the sword fight and you're like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I've fallen no, no, no. into Here's... a classic mentor death trap. It starts 10 minutes before. We get a brief bit of slow mo and I'm like, oh yeah, it's coming. Everyone's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry just about it. Just remember all the good times we had before. Wait, what? Yeah. Or I'm like, hey, kiddo, here, take this knife. It's got a lot of like sentimental value for me and it'll serve you well. And you know, I've I just feel like I can, <laughs> I feel like I can really die without regrets, you know, if I were gonna. And uh, <laughs> I love the idea of like you just being aware. Yeah, we just wrap up my plot threads, and it's like it's yeah. like you got the you got the got to, everyone's got to get over this narrow walkway, and there's a bunch of like Roman mm-hmm. soldiers on the other side, and they're like, oh no, we can't make it. And I'm like, guys, don't worry. <laughs> This is all fine. <laughs> this is just how it works. I'll see you later. <laughs> Crapple over the side. Yeah. God. Oh, yeah. Man. The thing well, is, you can always tell. You can always tell. Oh, you get yeah. brief hints of slow mo. The music gets a little more wistful. Someone starts tying off all their loose plot threads suspiciously quickly, and you're like, all right, okay. Or leaving one particularly on big one unanswered. In t- like, we'll talk about this later. That is the greatest oh, yeah. death that's sentence. That's the other thing. Any- yes. <laughs> I'll definitely be like, oh yeah, that's a story for another day, and I gotta go. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, you gotta get uh, all them death flags, and they're yes. they're called red flags for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think this works best if we're mentoring ourselves. Yeah. 
like I agree, our future yeah. selves are coming back to be the mentor. And then yeah. also it allows like us to, like first class, we reset the continuity. Yes. So yes, we're no exactly. longer beholden to the old plot lines. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not and going that worked in the loop. out great for first class. <laughs> well, <it's, yeah. laughs> it did for like one movie afterwards. Everyone loved Dark Phoenix. <laughs> we're, we're resetting the continuity so we can basically start fresh with our old versions like has the implication of the original like however many the fuck movies mm-hmm. it is as like their character backstory. But then like the plot going forward, it's not a loop. So mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. Yeah, very true. It's franchising, baby. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we'll put a pin in this pitch session. I'm sure the the, uh, time heist continuity will return in a future episode as it ever seems to uh, continue onward. Um, But kind of loop. Really struck gold on episode one there, didn't we? Yeah, you know, (laughs) I think about that a lot (laughs) because I put a lot of time and effort into coming through the questions for the show and like curating lists of them, and I don't think I'm ever going to top the first episode. That's always fun just, when you peak it <laughs> and then it's all downhill from there. Having yeah. wa- watched back through a lot of my old recent videos lately, I'm glad I haven't done that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's good that you two consistently improve with time and experience. I I will live with having blown the best question of all time <laughs> the first episode. It was a good hook. It really pulled people in. But uh, speaking, yeah. you think that's what in, made future you so jaded and cranky? Almost certainly. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, oh, look at Little Miss get the perfect question on episode one. Wow. You're gonna spend your whole here's life your searching for a better question, kid. And here's the real chasing secret. That high for You're years. never gonna find it. <laughs> and somehow it's Gritty's fault. <laughs> Oh, Boy, this I is like, a baffling uh, continuity we've created. Yes, Still not like, that much weirder than Star Wars, though. Let's be no. real. No, it's just any time no. you get into no multiverses. time travel in Star Wars. Yes. Well, hopefully. Anyway, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna be informed if we're wrong. <laughs> certainly. Um, Red. On this note of bringing people together, it's time to push them mm-hmm. back apart again because we gotta do the outro. Are you uh, em- emotionally prepared? I mean, I assume you've been visited by a figure from your future to to coach you through this one. But just in case you haven't, um, here's your heads up that you have to do it now. Yes, I've actually been stuck in a Groundhog Day style loop, so this is the one thousandth time I've done it, and I hope if I really nail it on this one, I'll be freed from this purgatorial state. Mm. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, we'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode, and we'll be back in one week for the bonus episode. I see you, Blue, trying to catch me <laughs> as if I haven't lived this reality in eternity before. <laughs> Incredible. Um, uh, you know, if you got any questions, uh, you can submit them to the Discord Ask OS Pod. Uh, as per the huge. Um, we'll also be back with regular videos upcoming Fridays as usual. We might also do a few more streams, bonus things, after darks. You know, if you've got ideas for that, you could also drop them in somewhere. Um, we actually listen to Patreons more about that than Discord people. So if you really, really want to influence future like after dark streams, consider becoming a patron. Uh, and I think that's basically us covered. So until next yeah. time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. This has been an overly sarcastic podcast. Woo. All right, I think I'm free. <laughs> No, I'm so I'm so sorry to inform you, Red, but as long as this podcast continues, you will be bound by a tether to that outro. Eh. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back for a very special Avatar The Last Airbender bonus episode on April 27th with special guest Tim of Hello Future Me, and regular episodes will resume on May 4th. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. 
Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.